Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What's, What's up, y'all? Oh, nothing. Just hanging out. Just got done with a Tuesday of work and on the podcasting. Hell yeah. It's going to be a good one, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about effort and trying to give your best effort, whether you be a fighter, a coach, a practitioner, anybody associated associated with the building a fighter per paradigm, I need you giving as much effort as you possibly can. Right, man. And I think with effort, we can break that down into really, in my mind, two pretty clear, distinct categories. Effort, in my mind, speaks to intent. Okay. So what is in your mind? What is your goal that you're trying to accomplish within this movement, uh, within the movement, within the session, whatever have you. Um, so it's intent and the motivation right? Like if you're not motivated to do it, you're not, you don't have any will to be successful at the movement, then, um, then we're kind of wasting our time here. So it, it all has to do with your intent of the movement and then your motivation. That's what kind of effort speaks in, into my ear for. I, and I would agree. It's you need to be, and the other thing is present being present. Yeah. A lot of people aren't able to give their 100% mental effort. And that's what I think about when we talk about effort is showing up and doing the job you're supposed to be there for and giving it your 100% with with your mental capacity. For example, so many people, like an athlete, for example, they show up to practice and they don't necessarily do everything they need to. They just go through the motions. They're just there to be there. And they don't actually get anything out of that practice because they're just there to fulfill a requirement. It's all, it's like Marshawn Lynch at the fucking, uh, at the press release at the end of the game. I'm just there. So I don't get fined. That's, that's how some athletes handle some sports practices. When in reality, the greats, the people that are in, they're at the top of the food chain for the belt. Those are the people that are going into every single practice and trying to get as much as they can out of it. Every single one. Same with practitioners, right? Like I've talked about on the podcast before, one of my mentors name is Corey Campbell. He's an amazing sports chiropractor in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, He has something that he does before every single visit that he has that he taps the door, does two knocks, takes a big breath in, big breath out. And that's his reset button to give a hundred percent effort to that patient right in front of him. It doesn't matter if the last visit sucked. It doesn't matter if he just had to write up three MRIs before that for uncompli- or unprecedented issues. It doesn't matter if there's anything going on at home that's not necessarily good. It just matters who's in front of them at that point in time and the effort they can give that person. Yeah. And I think that has to do with a lot of like the skill of com- compartmentalizing, right? Like that's been beat to death. And I think people talk about it quite a bit, but that was a skill early on sports taught me, you know, I could compartmentalize because I had a challenge in front of me that I could give my effort to my focus on. Um, I had something in front of me that whether I knew it or not, I was forgetting about the rest of my day and I was full focused and fledged into this one singular, um, challenge. Right. So I think sports give a lot of people really good outlet to, you know, compartmentalize as well as, um, focus or be mindful or be present, however you want to phrase that. So as we grow into adults, right, we have to create strategies that, um, do that within ourselves, right. That can help us refocus, be present in the moment, and then really give our hundred percent effort, which 
again, in my kind of language, turns into intent. Like, what are you doing with the time in front of you, with the challenge in front of you? Um, and I think taking deep breaths, I think um, getting into the zone, however you do it on your drive to work, on those few steps before you get in the door to work. When you get to practice, maybe that's, you know, wrapping your hands. Maybe that's you got your headphones, and your music on before you get into your warm up drills. Maybe you have warm up drills and you're hitting those with intent and effort. And that sets you on a good path and a good routine into every single practice. Right. So you got to stop and find a way to recenter yourself and focus and be present. Uh, my trick for the longest time was I would stop my shoes on the doormat going into work, take a deep breath, walk in, and then I'm there for the day. So it takes that. And it takes, I mean, to quote a book we read a while back, it takes what it takes, right? Yep. And whatever you need to do to get yourself to be able to give that 100% effort, it's worthwhile to endeavor to find that out. Um, and I think as well, on top of that, there's a big, it's really hard to make sports and specifically MMA challenging. Yeah. Right? It's easy to do that. Like everything's going to be hard about training. The practices are hard. The strength and conditioning sessions are hard. The schedule is super demanding. Making weight is hard, this and that. But you'll find your love and your joy in it if it's truly right for you. Mm -hmm. If you're having to drag your ass to every single practice, having to have a literal motivational speech every day to get up and go to get out to the door then I think you need to have an honest conversation with like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to pursue something else, right? Because if that's constantly not there and the effort is constantly lacking and weaning, something else is going on other than I'm just unmotivated today or I just don't want to give up. For sure. And we all know that this isn't a sport you could be half in, half out, yeah. right? And no matter what, if you're a fighter, if you're a coach, if you're a, a healthcare practitioner, a strength coach, it, there's not enough money in it <laughs> to mm -hmm. be half in, half out. You have to have true passion for it. You have to have something driving you to be associated with it. And if you are starting to have second thoughts, if you're backing out, if you're not able to give that 100% effort or feel like you can give that 100% effort, then maybe that's the first sign of a list of signs saying, this probably shouldn't be something I should be doing because you should go down a different path, go down a different avenue. Typically, if you say, for example, like if in my job on the healthcare and the strength conditioning side of MMA, there's not a lot of money. It's a lot of passion. It's a lot of trying to be, do the best thing you can for the athlete in front of you, knowing that there's not always something in return. And that's okay if you're passionate about it. But if you're not passionate about it, the long days, the unpaid hours, the inability to the, the letdowns, like it, getting, <laughs> getting blamed for losses. Not, not being able to help that athlete to the best of their ability or even making a mistake. All of those things pile on top of each other. And if you don't have a true passion, you're going to get beat down. You're not going to be, you're not going to want to get back up the next day. You're going to want to just give up. So if, it, if, if you're already feeling, say, if you were in my example and you're two years in, two and a half years in, and you're already feeling beat down, if you don't feel like this is the right spot for you and you can't give that a hundred percent effort, then it's probably not the right spot. This is the sign. That's the start of the signs leading towards, hey, I need to switch up what I'm doing. Right. And I think, and I mean, that could be a super gradual descent as well. It's not like, you know, I, ah, this is going to be a shitty day. I really don't want to do this today. Might as well quit. You know, right? there's a huge right. gradient to that. And like, and you can try a multitude of different things like overtraining is rampant and real, right? So take a break on your training, reconfigure your schedule, um, find other ways to hit the reset button. If it's something that you 
either love or loved at one point, and they can refocus you to give more effort. But um, I was actually, ironically enough, I was reading in my like daily Buddhism book, and it was talking about how if you truly love a pursuit, it should be easy to be present in it. It should be easy to give a hundred percent effort. And like, and I know that's not the reality of a lot of situations, but it should still be something on your worst day that you don't want to do still fires you up. Still fires you up at least a little bit. Right. So, um, and to your point, Austin too, like the long days, the hard hours, like I think about being a strength coach, you know, and and, and strength coach to me and wrestling are similar positions, right. Where it's kind of unglorified, dirty work where you're in the back, you're putting a lot of hours in, you're not really glorified. You're not really making a lot of money and this and that. And quite honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons that I've found admiration and respect for the fighters that I train. You know, I think about the investment that I'm putting in for strength and conditioning for not that return, that much return, quote unquote, or the odd hours that you work or this or that. But like, I think about the fighters how heavy their investment on the front end has to be to from training, to take care of your body, to spending hours in the gym, to this and that, and then to go out and get paid maybe a thousand dollars for a fight. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, like to me, that, that is such a joke as far as on the regional, the pro scene, like I a hundred percent admire these athletes for putting their all in and their best foot forward, knowing that there's such a small return on investment coming in, right? Like that, that again, speaks to their passion, speaks to their love of the sport, their love of progress and love of learning. Um, and so again, that's been a, a huge motivation for me and my job is knowing the level of effort for lack of a better turn and lack of le- level of um, investment that the fighters are putting on their yeah. own shoulders. A hundred percent. It's, it is the epitome of, and I think a lot of it comes from the amateur sports world, right? A lot of fighters are from the wrestling world where, (laughs) I mean, you wrestle for pride. You don't wrestle to go make money. There's no money in college wrestling. I mean, now there is with NIL, but when we were doing it in in high school, there's no money in it. You paid money to wrestle. Yeah. We paid money to, for a roster fee. A lot of that transitions over to MMA and they they're fighting for pride. They're fighting to be the best. And If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. 
What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. I feel like a, finally a switch is starting to make, take place where the money's starting to be a thing that they definitely need. And you see that over and over again with like, whether it be Sean O'Malley, Patty Pimblett talking or all these different fighters talking about pay. Yeah. But at the end of the day, fighting is typically about pride. Fighting yeah. is typically about being the baddest man in that cage at that given time. And again, going back to the effort if you're not able to show that effort, if you're not able to give that 100% effort when you step into the cage, maybe you're having second thoughts. Well, again, that goes back to maybe there should be something that you're looking at to potentially make a switch. Yeah, make a switch, whether that be um, wholeheartedly and do you know different pursuit in life or make a switch as far as modifying your training schedule. I think that's one thing a lot of fighters are so hesitant to do. Um, and I think it comes from a place of insecurity, right? Like I need to train more, get ahead. Cause I'm behind right now. I'm not as good as, you know, the goat or whatever, because literally every fighter thinks they're going to be the goat, which again, good and a bad thing, but that insecurity drives overtraining rampant drives, burnout drives places where you don't give as much effort. Um, yeah. one of the things that I've noticed, I mean, it's not a secret to anybody that's wrestled or done MMA or anything like this, like in practice, guys are constantly looking for places to hide. Oh, for sure. All right? the time. And like, it's like, even when you're wrestling, like when you're rolling, like, and, and there's some strategy to it or whatever, but you're looking for places to hide, whether it's not in coach's vision or whether, you know, oh, I just got the back so I can hang out here for a second. I don't really have to actively go after a choke or this or that. And then like, if you're actively looking for places to hide within your training where you should be given your all and having your effort and intent and motivation all matched up in that same thing, what are you doing? Like, why are we here? You know, yep. like, that's a, a huge mental switch. And I, again, I loved having Darren on a couple of weeks ago that he can talk about some more motivational topics in depth. But what are you doing if you're trying to get by or you're like that little kid at practice? You're looking to the clock. Oh, there's 24 minutes left. I can't wait to get out. Like, yeah. why are you there then? But you that's know? not to say, I mean, that there are tough practices that you feel like that, right? Sure. I don't, I don't sure. want that to, sure. to be the overarching theme of. If you have a, if you're having a rough day and you feel like you got to get out of there, that you should be done. Right. right. Yeah. It's if that's happening in a consistent pattern where you're the person that three of five practices a week 
that's what you're feeling like, that's what we're talking about here. That's where we're like, hey, probably change some stuff up. Make, oh, make and I, changes. Yeah. And I think it's more present than we think it is just because shit is hard, right? Like shit's hard straight up. Yeah. So, but I still think we need to change our mindset going into the hard training routine, hard training schedule, hard training, everything like, yeah, it's going to suck, but go do it anyway, you know, or yeah, it's going to suck, but I can still be locked in and get this one thing. And then, you know, for like a better term, like we don't need to do every drill at hundred percent intensity. I feel like that's something that happens all the time is like all intensity, intensity, intensity. It's like sure intensity, but learn from it. Like some of the best and most longevity, most longevity, most of the guys that have been UFC or longest or been at a high level for a long time. The one thing they're really good at doing is knowing the body, managing their timetables, whether, you know, they're after a fight and, you know, maybe after one fight, it's like, oh, I need only take a week off. I'm good. You know, or I had a three round banger and I need maybe a month. Maybe I need to have surgery. Maybe I need Mm -hmm. to do this, you know? Right. So it's like gauge that time and then understand your own body and understand the system that you're working into. Um, I think that 10,000 foot view and the view of the entire training plan gets past a lot of fighters because the day-to-day is so hard for sure. Yeah. And to no far of their own, like it's, it's on us as practitioners to explain this to them, but what are some tips that you could give people to try to give more effort to, to try to get themselves into a mental space to perform, whether it be fighters, coaches, whatever it may be. Do you have any tips? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the way that my brain works, I always like try and find a why or try and find a meaning behind everything. Right. So like, and if it's not obvious or you don't know what it is, like ask your coach, I think that that's a huge, a great open dialogue that should happen between athletes and coaches. Like, why are we doing this drill? Or like, I hate this. Why do we do this? You know, like, and your coach, if they don't have a good answer on the back end, that's their fault, you know, and then you can challenge them on that front or, um, you know, have to, bear the consequences, but I always seek for the why. And then that gives me my intent, which can give me my effort and like, and motivation. Um, again, we already talked a little bit about a routine, having the motivation to come to practice and this and that and routines make it just all the more easier. Right. Um, so having a routine, uh, to start your day, I think will help the motivation type of factor. And then having the intent, if you don't know what your intent should be, Ask the coach. That's why they're there. That's literally a coach's job is to help you know what you're working on and be more aware of yourself and in what capacity you can grow. So, you know, like, you know, we're grappling, we're doing this. Like, why am I doing this? How does this fit into my game? Uh, all right, we're going to do live rounds, five minutes on, one minute off. Coach, why do we always do five minutes on, one minute off? You know, and if the coach just says, oh, well, that's just how we always do it, you know, then like yeah. challenge them on it, you know? As straight up ask them, like, right. And your coaches will probably get pissed. They don't want, like (laughs) people don't want to be challenged. Right. But egos are fragile. Austin. True. But that is a big point is if you don't know what your purpose is, if you don't know why, what your, what effort you should be putting in questions are important. I can make it even broader than just asking the coaches, just ask questions. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, ask a question. Don't just go through the motions because you know, you have to be there. That's what allows you to take something out of everything that you do is knowing the purpose behind doing it. If you don't know the purpose for what you're doing, you're not going to be as bought in. You're not going to give that effort that we're talking about. And it all comes from understanding the concept. Some people get it innately. Some people have to ask questions. That's a difference. That's that N equals one. But if you know you're a question asker, don't be afraid of your coach yelling at you or having a fragile ego like Alex was talking about. Ask the damn question. If the coach gets pissed, then you're probably not in the right spot. Yeah. 
Very true. Very true. And again, just seek to understand is, is one reason, one way that I can find the intent behind everything. Um, I'm trying to think of just different ways to give, how do you get people to give more effort? Awesome. Well, I, I mean, I was going to say routines, <laughs> um, I, I'm big on the best way to give the best effort possible is routines, being able to give, like have a set protocol with which you are able to follow so that you get into the right mind space. Cause like uh, to bring it at full circle, I think the biggest thing about giving effort isn't physical, it's mental. Um, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Another thing like we were talking about is asking questions. When I don't know what's going on, I ask those questions. I I try to be as, I guess, thorough as possible. Um, But then one thing I always do at the end of practices or at the end of a day, if I had a rough day, or if I, if I need some more clear, like, I guess it would be some more thoughts on something is I write a down, write it down after I'll write it down, whether it be in a journal or whether it be uh, like a voice text and try to ask myself like, Hey, how did I feel when I went through? If I had a real rough patient where I don't know what's going on, sometimes in healthcare, somebody comes to you, you're supposed to have the answers and you just don't fucking know. And that's the shittiest feeling in the world is that that person's trusting you and you're doing everything you possibly can, but they haven't popped positive for any tests. You don't get, uh, you're not able to get an MRI because insurance isn't going to cover it because you haven't gone through a standard of care. And it's just an extremely complex case. That's where I just leave myself a voice note. And I try to ask myself questions of, what did I feel when I was going through the visit? What are the different clues that I could do? And three different steps that'll allow me to get better if a patient presents like that in the future. Three different questions I think I might be able to ask that patient to get to the bottom of it. And then I can go ask that patient the next visit those questions, but then also keep that in the back of my mind. Say it's a recurring calf pain um, with a history, uh, recurring calf pain and shin pain with a history of low back pain. That one stumped me at the beginning of my career where I always thought it was going to be like a soleus issue or a dorsiflexion issue. And it really turned out to be a neurodynamic issue. And it was from the saphenous nerve or the peroneal nerve. That one got me two or three times. And this exact situation was the thing that made me actually think, oh, if I can ask these questions, if I, if I've boiled it down to, do you have a history of low back pain associated with the calf pain? Do you ever have any sort of lateral quad or medial quad pain as well when you feel your calf irritated? And does it get worse with an increase in exercise that you're moving your ankle around? So not just lifting, but like running or biking or swimming. Is that what makes it worse? Those three questions alone have allowed me to try to narrow down. Is it a local tissue issue or is it a uh, central structure issue just right there. And that's all come from this exact protocol of just trying to give effort and trying to be the best person you can be for the person in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that there's a key within there of like, it sounds odd to say, but like always doubting yourself, right? You always dig deeper. And for me too, it's like, there's always these like walls that you set up, especially in exercise is like, oh man, that's definitely the hardest I can go. You know, oh my God, what happens if I try and go harder? But then when you do try and go harder, you find out you have another gear and then you bust down that wall and you make progress, right? So it's like always be doubtful of your own limitations or the limitations that you set on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go into a little bit of a, like a sports psychology thing too, that I think has a lot to do with effort is what if I fail, yeah. you know, what if I give a hundred percent effort and I do my absolute best and I still fail, you know, that, that definitely is a dilemma that I guarantee you happens to more athletes than you think it does. And it's like, then you give yourself an easy out. What if I give a hundred percent effort, I do my absolute best 
and I fail or I lose, right? That's going to be a tough spill to swallow. So why not just not try as hard? And then when I lose, I can say that I didn't try as hard. Yeah, you know, exactly. So you have, I, I think you have that built-in excuse, <laughs> and I think that happens quite often. Which, again, is again in my mind, straight up of a weaker mindset, right? Yeah. That straight up. So I think we can identify that within ourselves. And I, again, I know it through personal experience, which is why I think it's so important that people in our positions, you know, strength coaches, healthcare practitioners, whatever, put themselves through rigorous workouts or MMA workouts. So find those barriers, doubt yourself, and then push through them anyway, or accept failure. Uh, I think that's a big thing. Like accept failure, be the man in the arena and find a way to fail. Like I've again, been to the opposite end of it too, where it's like, I'm seeking out failure. I want to do things that I'm bad at because I know if I can expedite the process of being bad at them, I can get better at them sooner versus avoiding them. So I think, um, doubt yourself and go after those and then go through that failure process in your head. You know, what if I fail? So I guess long story short, don't let the fear of failure prevent you from giving effort. Sure. I like that right there. Amen. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. So that is our podcast on effort and trying to give your 100% on every point in time. If you guys got to get in contact with us, all of our information is in the show notes. If you want any sort of low back program and or strength and conditioning program that we offer, that's available at buildingafighter.com. And we have seven different programs as well as a low back program if you have a history of low back pain. As always, Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out. We are out.